Hello everyone, welcome to Summit Church Fenton. I'm so glad you joined me today and I look forward to sharing the Word of God with you. I'm conducting a series titled Jesus the Great Storyteller. And what we're doing in this series is we're studying the parables of Jesus. And it's a very, very interesting study. You know, a parable is a story, it's a natural story that illustrates a spiritual truth. And, uh, you know, Jesus said, uh, as he began many of his parables, he said, the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like unto. And then he would give the parable. And it was a, it was a natural story that, that people could understand and relate to. And that's, that natural story illustrated, uh, a, a, a profound spiritual truth. And, uh, and, and then also, so, so we can learn so much about the kingdom of, of heaven by studying the parables of Jesus. Because as I said, he would begin many of the parables by saying the kingdom of heaven is like unto. And so you study the parable and, and understand it, you can learn how the kingdom of God operates. And then also, one of the Old Testament prophets said that Jesus would open his mouth in parables and reveal things through those parables that had been kept secret from the foundations of the world. And so many, many things can be learned and gleaned from the parables uh, or the stories that the Lord Jesus Christ told. And um, if you've missed any of our previous uh, sessions, you can go into our archives and you can uh, get any of those. You can get caught up. If you've missed anything, it's, it's all free right there available to you. But uh, so if you've missed any any of the previous sessions, I'd welcome you to go back and 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 uh, listen to those. Um, the last uh, the last two weeks, I've been looking at the uh, 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 the parable of the wheat and the tares. And uh, actually, uh, two weeks ago, I, I I spent a lot of time with that parable, and then last week, I spent the whole session on that, expounding that. Uh, you know, the wheat and the tares, you know, a tear is a, is, is a weed, but, but I centered in last week that, that a tear is a weed, all right, but it's a weed that looks very much like wheat. And, and the, the, the point I was trying to make last week was that, you know, there are a, a lot of, uh, so-called Christians that, you know, they call themselves a Christian. But, you know, as you were to observe their lives over many, you know, many years of time, you know, they, 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 you know, continue to live and act just like a sinner. And so even though they call themselves a Christian uh, and, and, you know, uh, yet, yet, you know, upon further examination, uh, they're, they're perhaps Christians in name only and, and it's hard to tell the difference between, you know, them and, and a for real Christian. Just like it's hard to tell the difference between a, a tear and, and a wheat. And so I said much about that last time. And again, the emphasis last week was that, you know, you have a lot of uh, so-called Christians that, that, you know, continue to practice sinful things and, and, and so forth. But before I move on with the new material today, I just I, I felt impressed of the Lord that I needed to to say one uh, final thing about the wheat and the tares before I move on, and it's this: 
Last week, as, I, as I've already said, I, I talked about, you know, uh, uh, so-called Christians that, you know, they, they call themselves a Christian, but yet, you know, they practice sinful things and so forth. But, but what I want to say right now is, is there's a lot of people, now listen very carefully to this, there are a lot of people I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people that that think they are Christians, and you know, they think they're Christians because they were born into a, a, a quote unquote Christian family, or they think that they're a Christian, you know, because they were taken to Sunday school as a as a child. Or they think that they're a Christian because they were baptized when they were a baby or christened when they were a baby or dedicated or, or confirmed when they were very young. They, they think that they're a Christian, you know, because, you know, they, they go to church every week or because they're a member of a certain church or, you know, because they receive communion uh, on a regular basis, or, you know, they, they volunteer in the church, or they give money to the church, or they're very active in their church. And there are just tons and tons of people that fall into this category. We're talking about the wheat and the tares. We're making a final statement about that, but I think it's an important one. You know, just like I said last week, there's a lot of people who think they're Christians, and they continue to practice sinful things, you know, and, and wheat and tares, you know, they look like a, a wheat, you know, uh, you know, on surface view, but, but really they're a tear. But this other group I'm talking about right now, there's, there's just as many people, maybe even more possibly in this category that they, they don't practice sinful things. Listen carefully. They're full of good works. They, they, they do good deeds. They're good deed doers. And they've been you know, water baptized, as I said, as a child or, you know, are confirmed or christened and they've, they, they go to church every, every week, even now. And they go and they receive, you know, the, the, the communion every week, the sacraments and, and they're, they're part of a church and member of a church. <laughs> and they think that they're saved. They think they're a Christian. And, and, and their church even has, you know, the word Christian on the, on the sign out front. You know, so I'm talking about some major, major denominations with with untold millions of people in them that think they're saved because of the things I just mentioned. And 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 they think that they're wheat, but they're really tares because they've never been born again. Jesus said you must be born again. Now, I'll say this. One reason a lot of those people are not born again is because they've never had their priest or their preacher ever preach the new birth to them. And that's very sad. And they go to church week in, week out, week in, week out, and, and they never hear that they, that they need to be born again. They need to repent of their sins, receive Jesus as their Savior, and then follow him and live right before him. They they. They and they and even though and here's the thing I want to make clear even though a person is living right and full of good works 
and they don't drink, they don't chew, you know, so to speak. They don't ru- run around with people who do, you know. I mean, you know, they they don't they don't they don't cuss. They don't they, they don't tell lies. They don't do any of these uh, what we would consider and what are considered to be sinful things. And they're like goody two shoes, and they're just just you know they're, they're they don't get drunk. They don't you know they all they don't tell lies. They're just full of good works. And they die and go to hell. Why is that? Because they've never been born again. It's just kind of the opposite of what I was talking about last week. You got people that think they're Christians, but yet they're, they're, they're practicing sinful things and they're tares among wheat. But the, the other side of that is what I'm preaching right now is you got a lot of people that think they're Christians because of all these good things that they're doing and that I've mentioned here and they die and go to hell too. Because they, they've never been born again. You know, in the Bible, there's one uh, person along these lines that just stands out. And I'm not going to go through the whole story, but I'm just going to summarize it for you. You can read it in Acts, the 10th chapter. It's about a man named Cornelius. And, uh, and, and, and I will say this, in Acts, the 10th chapter, the second verse says that he was a devout man that he feared God, he gave money to the poor, generously, the Bible says, and he prayed to God always. Now, you think about that man right there. His name was Cornelius. You would think that that man was fine and that he was a wheat, you know, and if you don't know what that means, go back and listen to the previous two sessions, but that he was a for real saved person. But yet, if you read on in Acts 10, an angel of the Lord appears to him and says to him, send for Peter. That's the apostle Peter. Send for Peter and he will tell you what you must do. And, you know, at first reading of that, you would think, what do you mean what Cornelius must do? Wait a minute. He is a devout man. The Bible says he was a devout man. He was a good family man. He feared God with, with his whole household. I mean, he had a God-fearing home. He was a God-fearing man. He was a devout man. He gave, his, he gave money to the poor generously. And he prayed to God always, what more does this man need to do? Well, an angel of God appeared to him and said, Call for Peter and he'll, he'll, he'll come and tell you what you must do. And as you read on, long story short, Peter comes over to Cornelius's house and preaches the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he preached that, the Bible says that, that just putting it in my own words, that they believed on the Lord Jesus. Actually, the Holy Spirit fell on them. They got baptized. They got saved. They got baptized with the Holy Ghost. They spoke with other tongues. And then the Bible says after that, then they were water baptized. The point being is, what did Cornelius, this good man, devout man, God-fearing man, man who gave to the poor, prayed to God always, you know, what did he have to do beyond that? 
He had to get saved. He had to get born again. He had to hear the gospel message of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he, he believed all that, I mean, instantly as it was preached to him, and he and his household all, as a result of their faith in Jesus, got saved. And be, that's right, right there is where they became wheat. Up to that time, they were tares. They looked like wheat, but they weren't. Why? Because they weren't born again. Uh, you know, I preached a whole message along this lines one time uh, of, of this, this chapter here on, on chapter 10 of Book of Acts on Cornelius, Cornelius, and I titled it, Even the Good Must Be Saved. And so you could be a good person. And you know, there's a lot of people that are good people and they trust in their good works. You go out and you ask almost anybody on the street, at, you know, out in the street or go to Walmart and start asking people and, and you ask them, well, what do you have to do to go to heaven? And I'd say most of them would say, well, you be a good person. Well, look, you can be a good person and die and split hell wide open because you see, the Bible says it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to God's mercy through what Jesus did on the cross cross through his shed blood his death burial and resurrection it, it's through his mercy of what jesus did that we're saved not by our good works the bible says we're not saved by good works lest we should boast you see we're not going to be ever to be able to boast before god we're saved completely by his grace and his mercy point here i'm saying here is that cornelius this good man was a terror until he, re, until he heard the gospel message and received Jesus. So maybe you're out there and you, you know, you good person and you know, you don't cuss, you don't drink, you don't run around on your spouse, all of those things, you know, just you give, you know, you give money to the poor and all these things we've mentioned, but none of them save you and you're a, you're a terror until, you, and you may look very much like wheat like a for real Christian, but it's not until you repent of your sins, receive Jesus as your savior, trust in him. That's where you get, that's where that right there at that moment when you receive him, not in water baptism, not in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues, not in receiving communion or any of those things. It's the moment faith is placed in the Lord Jesus Christ with a repentant heart at that instant. A person is saved. Then, yeah, you ought to go get water baptized. You ought to go to church. You ought to, you know, uh, uh, receive communion and all uh, and, and all those things. But those things in and of themselves do not save you at all. It's faith in Jesus, and that at that moment is when 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 you become a wheat, a for real Christian. So the Spirit of God, I believe, wanted me to emphasize that because there's a whole lot of people that fall into this this boat and they think they're a wheat, but they're really a tear. And again, they're trusting in their own good works and their own merit to, uh, uh, you know, are they just just going along, living a good, clean, holy life, thinking that's good enough, but it isn't. It wasn't for Cornelius. It's not good enough for you or me. You must do something. What is that? You must, you must repent of your sins, receive Jesus as your Savior. And then, like I said last week, then you live for him. Okay. And you don't continue to practice sinful things. All right. So now I feel I finally completed the parable of the wheat and the tares, at least for this series. I don't know that you ever completely preach out any Bible subject, but there's always more we can glean because the word of God is infinite. But for now, I feel at peace. I, 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 I'm able to move on to the next parable. So let's do that. Uh, what I want to uh, 
talk about today, uh, the new material now is for, well, what I just shared with you was new material, <laughs> but you know, the new parable. All right. We finished the wheat and the tares. So now let us begin the next parable that, that we're going to talk about. And that's the parable of the minas, or we could say the parable of the pounds, pounds or minas. King James calls it pounds. The King James Bible and other versions call it the minas. Uh, same thing. And so the parable of the minus and the parable of the talents. Okay. So Jesus gave, gave these, uh, uh, two different, uh, uh, parables, but that they're illustrating the same thing. So we'll cover them together. They're very, very similar. Uh, so we'll cover them together. And, uh, and the reason I want to do this is, uh, because n- next time, I want to get, I feel led of the Spirit of God to get in and, and with you and talk about the parable of the rich fool and the deceitfulness of riches next time. And so, uh, uh, before I get into that, and I, I just feel I need to talk to you about the parable of the minas and the parable of the, the talents because, you know, because based on what I'm going to say in the next session, and we may go longer on the, the rich fool and, and finances. But you need to realize God wants us to have money. Absolutely. And, and I keep saying this. I, I just think it's great from a wonderful life. <laughs> you know, when Jimmy Stewart told Clarence, the guy playing that angel. <laughs> angels don't look like that, by the way. At least not in my opinion from my study of the Bible. But Clarence told Jimmy Stewart, you know, he's play, p- playing George Bailey. He said, uh, so we don't use money up in heaven. And George Bailey, Jimmy Stewart tells him, he says, he said, well, it comes in pretty handy down here, bub. And you know, he's, he's right. You know, we live in an economic world and you have to have money to operate. It's the medium of exchange here in this earth. And, and it's, it's not a, uh, uh, evil thing. The Bible does not say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. And we'll get to that as we go along and talk about that in a later session. But God wants us to have money. He really does. He wants us to be blessed in every area of our life, spiritually, in our soul, in our body, and in our pocketbook. Absolutely. You know, poverty, financial poverty is a curse. It absolutely is a curse. And uh, God doesn't get any glory out of anybody being broke. And if you think that, you need to get into the Word of God and renew your mind to the Bible. You know, God wants us to have finances. He just doesn't want finances to have us. And I'll say more about that, uh, you know, as we go. But, uh, uh, you know, and... and you know, and, and God wants to bless us. The Bible says that, that God takes pleasure at the prosperity of his servant. And that's not just financial prosperity. That's in every area, but, but f- certainly financially as well. And, and, uh, uh, and God wants to bless us. You can see it clearly in the Bible that God wants to bless his people financially. Now, I'll say it right now. God isn't going to make everybody a millionaire. It's just not going to happen. I don't care what the hyper prosperity preachers tell you. It's just not going to happen. So let's just be real about that and honest and upfront. 
you know, but God does want you blessed. He wants all your needs met, not only needs met, but he wants you full and overflowing. So you have plenty for yourself and plenty to bless others with. Absolutely. So we'll say much about this as we go, but, uh, but, but we'll begin, uh, with the, the financial parables and whatnot here today with the parable of the minas and the talents. Now, uh, and by the way, back in our archives, somewhere way back there, you can find it. And uh, I may need to do an updated version on it sometime uh, where we have the better uh, uh, video, uh, like camera and whatnot. But I, I preached a whole series on, on prosperity in the Proverbs, prosperity in the Proverbs. And in that, we go into the book of Proverbs and we look at prosperity from the spiritual side, from the natural side. You know, many times prosperity, particularly financial, that's what I'm talking about now, financial, particularly financial prosperity, usually just the spiritual side of that gets preached from pulpits. And very little is said about the natural side of it, about being a hard worker and, and, and a saver. You know, usually the spiritual side of that gets preached to just give, give, tithe, give and all that. And that, that's important as well. Certainly. Absolutely. You got to get them both going, the spiritual and the natural. And then they come together. It makes a powerful force for the Lord and all of that. But 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 back in our archive somewhere, you can go back there and you can find uh, what the I, I spent a whole just a long several sessions on the book of Proverbs and what it has to say about financial prosperity from the spiritual side and the natural side and so forth and so on. But anyway, with that being said, we can glean some things about uh, about finances and whatnot from these parables of the mina and the talents. So let's get into it and see how the Spirit of God leads us here. Uh, Luke, the 19th chapter. He's going to, we're going to look at the parable of the minas. The King James calls it pounds. Actually, it's one version calls it pounds of silver. Uh, it, uh, one translation brings out that it was uh, a mina was equal to about three months wages. And of course, that would be the money of the time when the Bible was written. And so you can get in and, and investigate how much a mina would be worth today and all of that. But it's, it's a sum of money. Okay, we'll just put it that way. And uh, here in Luke, the 19th chapter, verse 11. Now, as they heard these things, Jesus spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Now, let me just say this. And this often gets overlooked when the parable of the minas and the parable of the talents is brought out, but it's, it is, is taught. But here it brings it out. The main reason the Bible tells us that this that Jesus taught this parable was because uh, his his followers, his disciples thought that he was going to establish the kingdom of God on the earth immediately. And he taught this parable, as the Bible says, uh, he teaches this parable that we're about to get into because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. So you got to remember that as we go through here of what, what the, 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 
what Jesus, why he taught this, because many thought he was going to establish the kingdom of God right there and, and then. And now we're, what, two millennia, 2,000 years approximately from that time till now. And, uh, and he hasn't done it yet, but he will at some point. And we're getting closer to it every day where he established his millennial, what the Bible calls his millennial kingdom here upon the earth. Okay, but, but he was, this parable was given to let his disciples know that he wasn't going to establish it at that time, but at some later time. Okay, now having said that, in verse 12, Luke 19, 12, therefore he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called 10 of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, Do business till I come. Now I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Uh, one version says, Occupy. I think the King James says, Occupy till I come. Uh, New King James says, Do business till I come. Another uh, 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 version says, Invest this money for me until I return. So even though this parable is given because his disciples thought he was going to uh, establish his earthly kingdom at this time. We also learn a whole lot of things about the kingdom of God and, and about the way God looks at things from this parable. And the Lord wants us to be uh, uh, busy down here on the earth for him. He wants us to do business he wants us to take what he has given us and invest that wisely. Now, this is talking about money, but it could apply to anything that the Lord has, has blessed you with. And this will bear itself out as we get into the parable of the talents. But be that as it may, we're supposed to be busy for him. We're supposed to be doing business for him. Do you remember Jesus when uh, after Mary and Joseph, you know? Uh, after, you know, when Jesus was 12 years old and they went to Jerusalem and they, they left, you know, in the caravan or whatever. And, and sometime later, they, where's Jesus? Well, they went back to Jerusalem and they found him in the temple. And, you know, what did Jesus tell him? He said, I must be about my father's business. So we need to be about the Lord's business. Absolutely. We need to be industrious for him. And here in this parable, Jesus says, hey, you know, these people were given a sum of money and and they needed the Lord wanted them to invest it wisely and use it wisely. So he said, do business or invest this money for me till I return. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And of course, we could say that Jesus came. The Bible says he came unto his own, the Jews and his own received him not, you know, and all of that. Much we could say about that. And, uh, uh, you know, they didn't want Jesus reigning over them, you know, and so forth. The bulk of them. We could talk much about that or many of them and whatnot. But look at, at our, the religious leaders didn't want that anyway. We'll put it that way. Uh, they didn't want Jesus reigning over them, you know, the religious leaders. Verse 15, the Jewish religious leaders, verse 15. And so it was that when he returned, and Jesus is coming back one day, when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money, uh, the money, 
to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Gained by trading, which you really get in and you study this and it bears itself out. Uh, it's, it's not just talking about opening a money market or a checking account or a savings account, although there's nothing wrong with that, as we'll see. But it's, it's, it's going beyond that. And that's what trading means. It's, it's going beyond, you know, the, the FDIC protection, if you will. I'll say more about this as we go. But, you know, it, 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 the kind of wealth that these, that these, these, some of these brought back in were not just money that you make at the bank. So, I mean, he wants us to be the interest you make at the bank. You got to be really wise. The Lord wants us to be really wise with our money and our investing because he wants to see production. He wants to see increase. I mean, and a lot of it. So gained by trading. So, uh, and that, you know, I have learned this. That's what they do on Wall Street. They're traders, you know, the, the, the Dow, the Dow and, you know, the Dow, the stock exchange and stocks and whatnot that in the bond market, bond market that's trading going on there. And I don't understand all of it. <laughs> you don't want to get involved in it. If you don't understand it, if you're going to get involved in it. You better have somebody that's real good at it. Somebody that really knows what they're doing and somebody you really trust, you know, in a good financial institution that is, 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 a. Uh, uh, a credible institution before you get involved in any of that. But be that as it may, then came the first saying, so now much time has gone by. Of course, Jesus has been gone now for two millennia, but in this story, this parable, much time has gone by. So he gives us money to, to these, to these people and much time has gone by. And now it's time to settle accounts. You know, settling day is coming. At some point, we're going to have to stand before the Lord and, and, uh, settle our account with Him, so to speak. You understand? Now, thank God. Thank God. If we've received Him as Savior, we'll never have to stand before Him based on our, you know, on our, on our sin because that was judged at the cross. But I tell you what, uh, we're going to have to stand before Him based on the works that we've done and, and the business we've done for Him. Absolutely. And it's called the judgment seat of Christ. And, uh, and you know, at that point, people will receive rewards. Christians now talking about Christians, for real Christians, weak Christians will receive reward for the good works and the bad works they, they've done. They'll be burned. The Bible says they'll, they'll suffer loss, but they themselves will be saved. Well, that's, that's good news. But settling day is coming. And there's going to be a day you're going to have to stand before the Lord. If you're a Christian, a for real weak Christian, you're going to have to stand before the Lord. If you don't know what I mean by weak Christian, go back and listen to those previous messages right before this on the wheat and the tares. But you're going to have to stand before him and give an account for what you've done here on the earth. How have you done business here on the earth for him? So the first came before the master and said, your mina has earned 10 more minas. Wow. So he's increased 10 times. Wow. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you were faithful in very little, have authority over 10 cities. Now, something you need to learn about the Lord. Remember, we can learn things about the Lord from these, at his kingdom from these parables. One thing you need to learn about the Lord is he's watching what you do with the little. Boy, that, that, I mean, right here it said, well done, good servant. 
because you were faithful in very little, have a, because you were faithful in very little, have authority over 10 cities. I <laughs> think about that. The Lord, you see a lot of people, and I've talked to some of them, they want to wait till they have a whole bunch. And then they say, well, you know, when I have, when I have, you know, a million dollars, then I'll, then I'll be faithful with it in my tithing and giving and all of that. No, no, no. Look, if you won't be faithful with one dollar, you won't be faithful with a million dollars. Absolutely the truth. Biblical fact. Biblical truth. If you won't be faithful with a little, well, the Lord will never give you much if you won't be faithful with the little. And, uh, but the, the point is, if you're not faithful with a dollar, you won't be faithful with a million dollars. Absolutely the truth. He said, well done, good servant, because you were faithful in very little. See, the Lord's looking at what we do with the very little. He said, have authority over 10 cities. Now, now you think about it. In the millennium, that's down the road when Jesus does in fact return, uh, he's going to begin to... Uh, uh, He's going to set up his kingdom here on the earth and he's going to need people to administrate for him. He's going to rule, the Bible teaches, out of Jerusalem in his earthly kingdom for a thousand years. He's going to rule out of Jerusalem, okay? But he's going to need people to run different countries and cities just much like it is today. And you're going to get rewarded in that time by how faithful you were in the here and the now. And if you'll be faithful over just a little bit, the small things, the Lord could make you ruler over 10 cities or over a whole nation. Or you think about that. I mean, you know, I've seen so many people over the years. They, you know, well, the Lord has just given me so very little and I have just so very little talent and, and, and they don't do anything with it. Are they, are they, I mean, they don't do anything with it because it's just to them, it's just little and insignificant, but you have to realize the Lord doesn't look at things the way the world looks at things. He looks at things totally different. And if you're faithful with that, what you think is little, if you're faithful in that, there will very well come a day when the Lord could make you ruler over, over a whole, over a whole nation during his millennial kingdom. Absolutely. You need to remember that. But anyway, this guy, the Lord says, well done, good servant, because you were faithful in very little, have authority over 10 cities. And the second came saying, master, your mind has earned five minus. Likewise, he said to him, you, you also have authority, you know, over five cities. Wow. Then another came saying, master, here is your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. <laughs> For I feared. See, one reason that people don't use what God has given them is because of fear. Fear of all sorts of things. And uh, fear that, you know, that, you know, that what they might do with it, they might blunder or, or they might not be good enough or, or they might lose it or, or I tell you what, fear, and you know what, fear will cause you to hide. I mean, when somebody gets afraid, what do they do? You know, you know, you think somebody's coming after you and you're fearful. You're going to want to go hide. You know, fear causes you to want to hide. And that's what happened here. This guy, he says, he says, uh, I've kept uh, put in a handkerchief the mina you gave me. I, 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 he said, here's your mina. I kept it in a handkerchief for I feared. 
Again, fear will cause you to not produce for the Lord or in any area of your life. You, you understand that. And everything we do ought to be for the Lord anyway. So f- fear will keep you from being productive in your life and for the Lord. He said, I feared you because you're an austere man. You collect where you did not deposit, reap where you did not sow. And he said to him, listen to this. Out of your own mouth, I will judge you. Now, I mean, I could preach a whole message on that right there. Now, while I can't build a Bible doctrine on this, because you should never build a Bible doctrine on a parable. That's just good Bible uh, you know, just good Bible study habits. You don't, you don't, you don't ever establish a doctrine based on a parable, but, but a parable will never, that the Lord gives will never contradict a Bible doctrine. So I can't build a Bible doctrine, but I tell you what, I mean, I almost could, I think. I mean, out of your own mouth, I will judge you. This, you ought to underline that, highlight that. You better start watching like me. We better watch what comes out of our mouth. Because I'm convinced that one day God will judge us by what comes out of our own mouth. And, you know, we start flapping our gums about somebody else and how they're doing it wrong and, they, you know, and all that. I tell you what, I think there's going to come a day when we're going to be judged, you know, out of our own mouths. That's why we ought to be very merciful to people. If somebody messes up, we shouldn't we should be judging them out of our own mouth. We ought to find, be, be talking ways to restore such a person. Because I tell you, one of these days, God, I'm convinced, is going to judge you and me and everybody, not only according to his words, first and foremost, but I think we're going to also be judged out of th- the way we dealt. You know, the Bible says, judge not that you be not judged. You know, I mean, the way we, as hard as we were on people, I think that's going to come back on us if we don't repent. So always let your let your words be seasoned with grace and mercy. And when somebody messes up, don't don't start bad mouthing them. Look for ways to restore them. Because out of your own mouth, I will judge you. Boy, that you know that was worth just listening to this message just to get that. Let's watch what comes out of our mouth. He says, "Out of your own mouth, I'll judge you." Again, I could preach hours just on that. He says, "You wicked servant." Now, this is the guy that hid the mine and did nothing with it because he was afraid. He says, he says, uh, you wicked servant, you knew that I was an austere man, collecting where I did not deposit, reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put the money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. Well, you know, that putting the money in the bank, as I said a while ago, into a money market or, or a checking account or savings account. There's nothing wrong with that. And the Lord just said that this guy should have done that. That would have been better than doing nothing. But these other people that 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 had the, the, the great massive increases, they did more than just put their money in the bank. They invested it and they invested it wisely. And after a long time, because that's what an investment is. An investment isn't something that you, you look at every day or you look at every week or every month or even every year. Now you ought to keep your eye, eye on your investments, but it's something that you don't realize the return on it for, you know, it could be 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Long time, long time, see. But, but he said, so this guy did nothing. And the Lord said, you should have at least put it in the bank and made some interest. Now, 
you know, I mean, that's better than nothing. And, 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 and you, know, it, you know, so talking about money, whatever you do, don't just, you know, keep, keep, you know, now we always need to have some cash on hand, but I mean, don't keep large amounts of money just, you know, in your, in your sofa or, you know, uh, in a hole out in the backyard or whatever. I mean, put your sofa, I mean, the house could burn down and you lose all that money. I mean, you understand, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people anymore have credit cards and don't keep much cash on hand anyway, but, uh, but, you know, we ought to have our cash at least in, in the bank making something. Now, I know over the last 10 years, those interest rates have been so low on CDs and, you know, money markets and things like that, that, you know, you, you need to, you know, I, I, you know, I had, I had, well, I'll just tell you in my life, I, I had to eventually, I had to eventually turn from just the money markets and the checking accounts and all of that over to, because I'll confess, I've always been, you know, let's just put it in the bank and make the bank interest, telling a little confession on myself. But eventually I turned and I, you know, okay, we have to turn to the, to the markets here. To, if you're going to make any, any uh, interest worth having, you know, <laughs> I was making just peanuts on what I had on CDs and whatnot. But then I went, put, you know, went very reputable institution, very reputable people and, and got involved in some stocks and bonds and whatnot. And, and, and then, then the market turned on or the whole economy turned on a dime and the interest rates that I was waiting for, for 10 years to go, to go up, that it, that it, the, the, the interest rates and they never did. So I, you know, let's get into some stocks and bonds here that I did that. And then the interest rates went up and the stocks and bonds kind of faltered. And so it's, I've had quite an education over the last year and a half or so, but thank God, you know, I, I should have been being led, I guess, more by the Lord than what I was just being very honest and open with you. But thank God I had law nothing glory to god and, and it'll all be fine and actually i've made more uh by by turning to the stocks and bonds that i would have made it to bank you know but uh but it's been a lesson it's been a lesson to me but the thing of it is because the way it was there for a long time just having your money in a bank in a, in a cd or a money market you, you it was just slightly better than putting it in the backyard you know because the interest rates were so low but uh, but be that as it may the lord says hey you should have at least put it in the bank and made some and made some interest okay at least do something's better than nothing but to make, and I've been studying up on this from what I just told you, I've been studying up on stocks and bonds and this and that, because I'll be honest, I've always been, let's put it in the bank, make interest, have that FDIC coverage. And, and that's just how I've rolled. But, uh, and I'll confess, you know, some fear has kept me away from the stocks and the bonds. Just, just what I'm preaching to you. I'm not trying to cover anything up, but, but I tell you what, if you want to make the vast amounts of money is from, you know, if you look at some of the people that have made vast sums of money, they've made it, you know, in the stocks and the bonds and particularly the stocks and these other things. But again, you have to be wise. You have to, if you're not wise yourself, you have to have somebody that is, is somebody that you trust in a good institution, you know, and, 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 you know, but if you want to make these vast sums of money, that's the way, that's the way to do it. <laughs> better than the, but the bank interest is better than nothing. And, and, and that's kind of where I've always lived. And then I went over to the others and then, you know, it, <laughs> well, anyway, thank God I had lost nothing. And, and, and I've done better actually with the stocks and the bonds, but now I'm 
Well, anyway, I don't know why I'm telling you all this, but but be that as it may, uh, we need to be faithful with what God has given us. We need to be faithful with what God has given us. Amen. And this guy here, he did nothing with it. He hid it. And the Lord wasn't pleased with him at all. And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to him who has 10 minas. But they said to him, master, he has 10. He already has 10. And then verse 26, for I say to you that to everyone who has will be given and from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. You really need to look at that verse because that is a major verse in the Bible. I mean, all the verses of the Bible are important, but that is a major, major verse. Let me read it out of the New Living Translation. It says, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And isn't that true? And I have observed that again and again over the many years. Those who use well what they are given, these first two used well, and they they went out and they, they you know, uh, <laughs> what do they double? They doubled their money, didn't they? I mean, they made they made a lot more. I mean, the vast sums more than what they started with. But the guy that hit it, well, he should have at least went to the bank. You know, that's better than nothing. And the Lord said, you, know, you should have at least done that. <laughs> at least I did that over the many years. But if you want to make those vast subs, you got to go out beyond the FDIC and the bank. But be that as it may, he said, uh, but this last guy, he did nothing. He didn't use it well. He hid it. And to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who have nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Major verse in the Bible. I remember years ago when I was just, I was, uh, I say just, I was an assistant. Do you know assistant pastors are very important? They really, really are. But I was a young man and I was assisting this, this pastor. And uh, so I didn't mean to say just assisting. See that, see that's minimizing something that the Lord gave me to do. So let's don't do that. I repent right there before you. I was in an assistant role and it was very important. And I was assisting this, this minister and he told me, he said, cause he had people in his church that were, uh, were struggling financially. And he said, I want you to teach a money class because I was a math teacher. And he said, teach a money class. Just go over the fundamentals of how to handle money and whatnot, so on and so forth. And so uh, I said, I'll, sure, surely I'll do that. So we, we set it up, you know, and, uh, and I thought, you know, all these people that were struggling financially, I thought they were going to show up, you know, by the droves, sitting there, hanging on every word to learn how to learn, run their finances. And you know what? Not one of the people in that church that was struggling financially showed up. Not one. You know who showed up? The people who were doing well financially. <laughs> they showed up to that class. And I wasn't telling them because I'd prepared the material. I, I, they didn't need to hear anything I was teaching. I mean, it's good to always review, but I mean, they already knew everything that I was, I was set my class up for people who needed to, you know, start with the ABCs of finances. But the people that needed to be there didn't come. The people that didn't need to be there, you know, they came and they were sitting there hanging on every word. Well, I mean, it, it illustrates this verse. The people that didn't have anything, they weren't handling it well. They weren't doing anything with it. They needed to come to that class. 
And, you know, you, you look at them, watch them over the years, even the little they did have was eventually they even lost that and never amounted to anything, you know, as far as financially or, or being successful in, in finances at all. And it's not just true in finances, but as years went on and we were at Summit uh, Church, you know, and in any church, there's going to be people that struggle in their marriage and whatnot. And so we could see there were some, you know, several, many couples that were having some marital issues and whatnot. So, so we, Diane and I, my wife and I, we just said, well, we're going to teach a, a, a class on, on marriage. And there again, <laughs> I guess I did learn my lesson back on the financial class when I was an assistant. So I thought that many, if not all these couples were going to show up by the droves to learn how to make their marriage better. <laughs> I think there was one couple that was struggling in their marriage showed up, but the other multiple, many, they didn't show up. But you know who did show up? <laughs> Almost all the, all the couples that had good marriages. See, they were, they had already taken what God had given them. They were, they were cultivating it and making it better. And, and a lot of those people that, that their marriage was struggling, they, you know, some of them, many of them wound up ultimately divorced and whatnot. Very sad. But again, it illustrates this verse. You know, there's a reason a lot of times why people are blessed is because they've been, ta- they've, ta- they've taken what God has given them and they've cultivated and they, and they've, they've seen it produce. You see, whether it's in the financial arena or in the marriage arena or whatever arena it may be in. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Wow. And then verse 27. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. Wow. Now, let's go over to Matthew 25 and go through this uh, parable of the talents. So turn over to Matthew 25. Now, if you were here in person and I was having a service in person, I'd probably need to dismiss right now because of the sake of time. But since I don't have you held captive here in this room, (laughs) when I was in person teaching and I'd preach long, the people that were there were held captive. You know, I mean, they could get up and leave if they wanted to, but a lot of people didn't want to do that and disrupt the service. So, you know, if I preach long, they were just at my my mercy. But, But here, if I preach a little long in the the world in which I'm operating in now, you can just pause me and you go do whatever you got to do and then come back later and finish it up. So, so I'm, I want to finish this up because these two parables fit together. So as long as the battery on that, on that camera keeps running, <laughs> I can keep going here. So let's go here to the Matthew 25 verse 14. And we'll talk about the parable of the talents because it's very similar to the parable of the uh, minas, but there's some things in here we need to get. And again, a talent was money. Uh, one talent was worth about a thousand dollars. Now, what it would be worth today, I, you know, you'd, I, I don't know, maybe in my study books, maybe they were saying that it would be worth a thousand dollars today. I don't know. You go study it out. But just for the sake of simplicity, it was an amount of money. It was an amount of money. And uh, uh, I also want to say this. I like the word talent here as it's translated here in English because while this has to do primarily with money, it, it also has to do the word talent with, you know, the Lord has given all, all of us some sort of a talent. Maybe your talent is singing. Mine isn't. <laughs> Mine isn't. But maybe yours is. 
and, and in the area of worship or maybe working with in the children's ministry or with the teenage ministry or or the helps ministry in some way and you know ushering or or, or uh, you know hostessing and greeting at the door or or maybe in the sound uh, 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 you know the sound uh, you know every pastor every church needs a good sound man take it from me and people that you know that uh, <laughs> it's like that one church. At one church, uh, the, the head sound man was tone deaf. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I mean, <laughs> so I mean, you've got to have somebody in the sound booth that knows how to make that sound work, and you know, you know what I'm talking about. And so, but what everybody's talented and different. Maybe you're a musician, you play an instrument, whatever it is. Uh, you know, God's given all of us talents, and I believe God has a local church for everyone, and in that local church. God has something for you to do. Absolutely the truth. He has a pastor for everyone, a local church for everyone, and, and, and something for you to do in that local church. Absolutely. So maybe while this has to do with money, uh, it, you know, whatever it, it's, we can apply it to other areas besides just money, whatever talent you may have. So Matthew 25, verse 14, for the kingdom of heaven is like, there it is again. See, the kingdom of heaven is like a man. So we're going to learn how the kingdom of God operates, uh, from this parable, like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one, he gave five talents. And again, this money to another two, but it could also, we, I, you could make it apply to, as I just said, the talents the Lord has given you beyond just money, but it has primarily to do with money. So to, to one, he gave uh, five talents to another two and to another one to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. And he who had received the five talents went and traded with them. Well, there it is again, traded with them. So he didn't just put it in the bank. Nothing wrong with putting your money in the bank. <laughs> I already talked about that. But this implies he did more with it than just put it in the bank. All right. He was wise in investing. Wise. And God likes that. He wants us to take what he's given us and money that we've earned. And he wants us to invest it wisely okay and traded with them and made another five talents wow so he doubled and take it from me you from my study of it you can't double your money in a in, in a bank checking account or a savings account or a money market all right so this you know but like i said if you get outside of that stuff you better you better know what you're doing you better have somebody that knows what you better know what you're doing. You better have somebody that knows what you're doing that you trust and, and have have a good uh, organization that, that that they're a part of that you're because you can, you lose your shirt real quick if you, if you just. OK. I think about those people that took their money to I think it was Bernie Madoff. Remember that <laughs> he was promising promising them, you know, an un, unreasonable return rate of return on their money and. And, and, and long story short, all these so sad, all these millionaires find out it was a Ponzi scheme and all, and all their money was gone. So, I mean, if, if you're going to leave the local bank and go out beyond that, you better, I'm telling you, you better know what you're doing. 
You bet if you don't know what you're doing, you better find you somebody that has a good long track record. You better investigate them and, and the, and the institution that they're working for, you know, or you could lose your shirt. Let me tell you what. Anyway, but these guys did beyond just going to the bank and traded with them and made another five talents. So double their money. And likewise, he would receive two gain, two more, double the money. But he, and you can actually do that in, in the stocks and whatnot. You could do that over time. You, you could do that. Can't do that in just a, in a bank account. <laughs> you know what I mean? But anyway, <laughs> I, I could talk a long time about that. So let's just move on here. But he had received, so we got these first two double, double their money. But, and, and it's the Lord's money, by the way. And that'll come out here. The, it was, this is the Lord's money. You know, all the stuff we have isn't ours anyway. It's the Lord's. And he has given it to us to manage. And so we need to be managing what he has given us wisely. And he expects us to manage it wisely. And he expects us to produce. He just does. You can see it in these two parables. So anyway, he had received one, went and, but so, so they first two doubled their money, but he had received the one talent, went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. See, there he hid it. Just like that other guy hid it in a handkerchief. This guy hid it in the ground. And after a long time, see any investment, you got to leave it in there a long time. Now, how long's long? Well, how long is a piece of string? <laughs> how long is long? From my study of it, a long investment, you know, what, 10, 15, 20, 30 years? Okay, anyway, how long is long? But after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts. So account, settling days coming, already talked about that. So he, had received, he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Here it is again. You were faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. See, God's looking at what you do with the little and he's not going to give you much until or unless you're faithful with the little. Okay. And, uh, and then he had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. I've gained two more talents beside them. It's talking about money here, but you could apply it, like I said, to other, other areas than money. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. See, they were managing the Lord's money. And you know, the Bible says, uh, in the book, either first or second Corinthians, if I'm not mistaken, that it's required of a steward that they be found faithful. And what does faithfulness mean? Always doing what you're supposed to be doing when you're supposed to be doing it with a good and a right attitude. There is the definition of faithfulness. And that's what God's looking for. Somebody that's always going to be doing what they're supposed to be doing when they're supposed to be doing it with a good and a right attitude. That's faithfulness. And, and that's what he's looking for in his servants, faithfulness. And, uh, and he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. And then, of course, the joy, enter the joy of the Lord. Then, boy, I wish we could stop the story there, but we got to keep reading. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. He's afraid, just like that other guy with the miners. And went and hid. See, fear causes us to hide. Hid your talent. See, it's not his talent. It's the Lord's talent. It was the Lord's money. 
or whatever, if you want to apply it to other areas, the, the musical ability you, you have, it's not yours. God gave it to you and you need to use it for, for his glory. You see, I hit it in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. I remember there was a certain church that they needed a, uh, they needed a, a, a drummer because the, the drummer they had, 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 had left the church for whatever reason. And they needed a drummer and the church went for, I don't know, probably well over a year, give or take with that. And that drum just sat there and it was unused. Long story short, come to find out there was this, this fellow that attended the church that was an excellent drummer. But for a whole year, those drums sat up on that, on that platform, on that stage unused. And again, long story short, came to find out that this young, this younger guy that played the drums so well, when he was asked, why didn't you do something suitor? And because once he started playing the drums, it was just wonderful. It just added so much to the worship. And, uh, he said, well, I, the reason I didn't come forward sooner is I was afraid. See, there it is. I was afraid I wouldn't be good enough. You know, there's a lot of people that are afraid it wouldn't be good enough. And uh, I could talk for hours on that right now, right there. You know, um, I, I was a pretty good golfer when I was a kid. Just telling again on myself. And uh, I shied away from playing golf tournaments because I was afraid that I, I was afraid of that first tee, hitting that first shot. You know, you don't want to get up on that first tee and hit hit a hit a bad shot. Boy, it just sets. I hated that first tee. If I could get up there and just hit a good shot off that first tee, the rest of my day usually go pretty good. But I was afraid of that first tee, and then I just was afraid of not doing well. I don't. I, just the fear that I had, and it kept me from developing any golf talent that I had. So you know, I'm over here in the ministry now. I. I don't know that I never amounted to anything much in golf anyway, but, but, but fear kept me. I'll never know. See, but uh, rather be over here in the ministry anyway, but fear causes a person to hide like that drummer. He, he said, I didn't think I'd be good enough. Oh, there's so many people that don't think they'd be good enough and it keeps them from using the talent God has given them. I was afraid, went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, here you have what is yours. At least he realized it was the Lord's talent. And not his. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. See, now here's something else. And I want to camp on this. The Lord called him lazy. (laughs) One reason people don't use the talent that God has given them is they're lazy. I could talk about wicked, but I feel more impressed to talk about lazy. (laughs) Are you not using the talent God has given you because you're lazy? Well, only you can, I guess, judge that. I'm not going to judge it. You judge it. But are you lazy? Is that why you're not doing more with what God has given you? He said, you wicked and lazy, wicked and lazy servant. Uh, You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So again, he says, you should have at least went to the bank. And nothing wrong with going to the bank. Nothing wrong with nothing wrong with it. It's the Lord even said so, and that's where I'm. Where I've spent most of my time <laughs> just in money markets and checking accounts and those sort of CDs. You know, FDIC CDs. That, that's just where I've, I've. That's that's where I've rolled. And uh, now the interest rates are coming back. Praise God! I can, you know, I'm getting back to that. But the point is, is. Uh, 
the Lord said there's nothing wrong with that. But it's better if you can do these other things and, and produce more. Because the Lord wants us to produce as much as we can for his glory. Now watch this. So he said, take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10. For here it is again. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he who, uh, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And, and, and again, I talked about that a whole bunch just a moment ago, but it's so true. People that have, it seems, and the reason they have is because they've taken the little and they've developed it, but they want to keep developing it and more and more and more is added to them. But the people that do not do all that they should do or could do with what God's given them and they just hide it, you know, and don't do anything with it, eventually even what little they do have is taken away from them. So I tell you what, that ought to right there motivate us to no matter how little you think you've been given from the Lord, I tell you what, you know, you take what he's given you and you be, you be uh, uh, industrious with it and invest it wisely, money or whatever it is, and you're, you're faithful in little, and then he'll eventually he'll make you ruler over much. And frankly, I, I believe that he'll, he blesses people now in this time for their faithfulness, but the true blessing comes later at the, at the great judgment at when, when, when he says, oh, 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 you were faithful to teach that Sunday school class of, of five kids? Oh, I'm going to make you ruler over five cities. Oh, you were faithful, you know, to pastor that church of, 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 of 20 people in an area that nobody, you know, in a, in, a, in a bad area where nobody else wanted to go. And you did that for 30 years and, and you never got accoladed by, by the world or anybody else. You were always overlooked because you, you never got invited to preach at any minister's conferences because you were pastoring 20 people over in no man's land. Oh, Oh, the Lord says, oh, I'm going to make you ruler over 20 cities in the millennium. <laughs> hey, I mean, oh, hey, hey and that's exactly what's going to happen. Absolutely. I mean, you know, along those lines. Absolutely. 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 I know so many of, of so many uh, ministers that, you know, they'll hang their head. Well, I only, I just have a small church and I'm just, you know, pastoring, you know, 25 people and, you know, or, or 10 people, whatever it is. If the Lord's called you to do that, now there are some pastors that are that they're in that situation, and their church never develops and goes anywhere because the Lord didn't tell them to do it. They're just doing that a lot of times because they're disgruntled with with the place God did call them to be, or they just want to go do their own thing. That's one reason. But there's there's a lot of situations where God calls people into places where hardly nobody wants to go, and, and He'll set them up. A God called ordained church. And there's 10 people coming to the church. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are places like that. And I tell you what, well, you know, the pastor says, I just pastor 10 people. Yeah, but in the, in the millennium, God might say, I'll make you ruler over 10, uh, over 10 cities. Glory to God. <laughs> you think about that. Hey, let's take whatever, what little he has given us and be faithful with it. Hey, man, don't worry about what the world thinks. Don't worry about what other People, even other Christians, and even even other big name Christians, and even even big name Christian leaders might might say about you. Hey, if you're doing what God's called you to do, if you got ten, twelve people, three people, it don't matter. You do what God's told you to do, and one day, you you know you you never know. You might get uh, God, the Lord Jesus may say. You know, rule over that city, and and that big evangelist, he might be, he, you might be the, you, might, 
You might be the, uh, you know, the, uh, I don't know, the, the mayor of that, uh, of that, of that city and that, that big evangelist, he might, he might be working under you in that city in the millennium as the, uh, as the, as the head of the trash company. You don't, you don't know, you don't know. Come on now. Oh, glory to God. That tickled me right there. <laughs> so just be faithful in what the Lord, Lord's put you over, huh? Come on. Anyway, but uh, this guy here, he, he says, take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. And, and then he says, now watch this. We'll close right here. And cast the unprofitable servant. Now this verse right here, I, you better listen. This verse right here keeps somebody up at night. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness where there will be where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. I mean, now that verse will keep somebody up at keep me up at night thinking about what 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 all that means. I mean, this guy was unfaithful with the Lord's money, and uh here we've got him being cast into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. Now, uh, I don't understand all of what that means because from the rest of what I study the Bible, I, I, I don't see that a, a person would necessarily go to hell because of, of, of not doing everything with the, uh, 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 the things God has given them. And, and I know you can't establish Bible doctrine based on a parable. Or, or one verse, but but I'll say this: that 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 uh, w- when those words hit the hit, hit hit my Bible, they came out red. That means Jesus spoke them, so we better give them our full attention. And, uh, and he said, "Cast this guy into outer darkness." That means hell. This unprofitable servant, this guy that hid the Lord's money, hid the Lord's talent. The Lord said, cast this unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth into hell. I mean, we better, I mean, there's a lot I don't understand about that. I remember, I think there was one founding father of the United States where I think somebody asked him if, if, if this, I think he, I think he was asked, somebody asked him and said, sir, uh, you know, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, I don't know if somebody asked him or he made the statement, but anyway, he made the statement. He, he said this, he said, he said, it's not the things that I, uh, don't understand about the Bible that bother me. It's the things I do understand. I mean, I, I don't know if you get the humor there, but I don't understand all that verse and all the doctrinal implications, but it, it ought to have our full attention. It ought to have our full attention. This guy in this parable got cast into hell for being unprofitable. So um, I'll just leave you to think about that. I don't understand all, because again, from the rest of my study of the word of God, we're saved by grace through faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, not by mishandling what God's given us. But I'll tell you what, we need to give that verse our full attention at least. Gave you a lot of food for thought right here at the end. He said, cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, 
you know, if you look back up here in verse 26, it said he was wicked. I mean, we could get into who are the wicked in the Bible. The wicked in the Bible are those who do not receive Jesus as Savior. But anyway, I tell you, I've opened some cans of worms here for you. You know what I mean to think about? So you can think about them. And uh, uh, let's just, I tell you what, let's just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's live right for him. And let's be faithful with what he's given us. And that's a wonderful place of safety to be and honor the Lord. What do you say? Well, I hope you've learned some things about, about uh, you've learned some things here today and about these parables. And we're going to pick up next week with the parable of the rich fool. And we're going to talk about the deceitfulness of riches. So, hey, if you're out there and you don't know Jesus, I want you want to invite you to repent of your sins. Receive Jesus as your savior. Call on the name of the Lord. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Call on Jesus, receive him, and then live for him. And you'll you'll miss hell one day. You'll make heaven, and he'll make your life worth living in the meantime. All right, God bless you. See you next time. Bye-bye.